the 11th chapter of Luke. We are going to begin the year off with a teaching on prayer. For those of you that don't know, uh, last week before service I had already contemplated ministering on prayer to begin the new year. Tuesday I'll be ministering at Life Challenge uh, Chapel. And uh, in the middle of the week Jeff called and asked me if I would minister on prayer to the people there for chapel service. And then last Sunday morning during praise and worship Nick mentioned that God had laid it upon his heart about prayer and how that we had been remiss in our duties to pray. How many of you know that that's confirmation from three, service, three sources, right? Right? And so the Bible says to let a thing be established in your life by two or three witnesses. And so I firmly believe that this is the will of God. I also, in seeking the Lord on this message, I want you to understand that I believe that this is an area that God has revealed to me that is lacking in the church. How many heard what I said? Would you please listen to me and hear what I have to say right now? Prayer is the responsibility of every Christian. How many heard what I just said? What am I supposed to pray for, Pastor Ron? First of all, you're supposed to pray for the will of God. And secondly, you're supposed to pray for the grace to accomplish God's will. Did you get that? Well, that's too simple, Pastor Ron. No, it's not. That, in a nutshell, is what prayer is supposed to be about. And I want to tell you something else, too. Are you with me? Come on, look at me, okay? Failure to pray is a sin. Oh, Pastor Ron, don't do that. Scripture says so. In fact, you can go in the Old Testament and the New Testament alike. And you can find, I'll just use the Old Testament uh, because the Old Testament prophets, every one of them, and you can go through and search Scripture for yourself, especially Isaiah. 
uh, talks about failure to pray. And, and Samuel, he said, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray. So, how many of you can see that this has been the plan of God or the will of God, both in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant as well? Amen? Amen. And so, I want you to understand and know that. I'll also tell you this. How many of you want to come here and receive what you need to sustain you, spiritually speaking, uh, in your spiritual life, in your Christian life. You want to hear messages that will enlighten you and help to sustain you, right? The only way that you are going to do that is if you're praying for me. The only way that that's going to happen is if you are praying for me. You need to be praying that God will give me enlightenment and his anointing so that you can receive from this pulpit what you need to hear. By the way, don't expect to hear what you want to hear. I'm not here to tickle your ears. How many are listening to me now, right? And don't anybody get angry with me because this, uh, God said that I would be a good pastor. Are you listening to me? If I would tell you what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. Amen? And so when you pray for me, be careful how you pray. Because God will answer those prayers and let me tell you this, the Word of God sometimes, and, and I really mean this with all of my heart, the Word of God stings sometimes. When God is correcting, He sends a word of correction. And sometimes it's not pleasant but it is necessary. And let me get this, clear this up right now so everybody in here will know that we're all on the same page. Everybody here needs to be corrected from time to time. Look at somebody and say, you do and so do I. Luke chapter 11 verses 5 through 13, please Read along with me, please. And Jesus said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me, the door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed, and I cannot rise to give you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to you because he is your friend, Yet because of your persistence, he will rise and give as many as you need. So I say to you, who's he talking to? Everybody point your finger up in the air. 
Now turn it and point it right at yourself. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you, then being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him? Father, I've read the word, and I ask now once again for your anointing upon me. Holy Spirit, come, lead, guide, and direct as I speak what you've given to me today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may wonder why Christian people need a message on prayer. Many of you have heard teaching after teaching after teaching on this subject. But I'm going to tell you that every Christian needs to be reminded of the importance of prayer because the church is dead in the water without it. How many of you know what I mean by that? God has revealed to me that one of the main areas of deficiency in the Western church is the lack of prayer. In fact, studies, recent studies show that prayer is at an all-time low. Many churches, and ours is not unlike many of these other churches, used to have prayer meeting on Sunday night. How many remember that? How many remember that? And many churches, just like ours, had to cancel that service because of lack of interest. That's not an indictment, that's a statement of fact. Because we had prayer service here on Sunday night, uh, and there, uh, near the end, before I canceled the service, and I canceled the service, by the way, after conferring with Pastor John Hagee, for his, uh, I wanted his take on it. And he said, if it wasn't productive, cut it off. And that's why we canceled it, because many times it was just me and my family that was showing up here. And so understand what I'm trying to tell you today uh, there is no accusation whatsoever. This is an informational uh, tool for you. And this is something that if you want to start this new year off right, and if you want to experience more of God in your life than you have ever experienced before, you will make an effort to pray. What is prayer? Prayer, simply stated, is communication with God. How many of you understand what I've just said now? Uh, prayer, by the way, uh, our communication, by the way, if prayer is communication with God, how many of you know prayer involves then not only talking but listening? Right? And so when you uh, uh, pray to God, you need to listen to God for his answer. 
Prayer is absolutely necessary for the maturing of the church. Jesus said, on over in Luke, in chapter 18, verse 1, He said, You should always pray and never faint. How many heard me? Look at someone and say, Jesus said, You should pray and not faint. What uh, that word there means, lose heart or faint, uh, depending on the interpretation that you have of the Bible, that means that you should never be weak in purpose or spirit because you have prayed about it. That's exactly what that means. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, the great apostle Paul said, you should pray always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Everybody say, pray always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit. That means that you come before God in the right spirit and humbly make your request known to Him. And then James, the brother of our Lord and the first bishop of the church said this, listen, in James chapter 5 verse 16, eight, uh, yeah, 16, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much with God. How many heard what I just said? Well, what in the world does that mean, Pastor Ron? That means if you are righteous, if you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, your prayers are important and they will matter. Look at someone now and say, you really matter. So we need to hear what God's word is saying to us. We need to pray, and we need to pray often, and this is what Scripture is telling us. Praying right and praying with the proper attitude will always bring results according to the Word of God. Amen? The first and very most important result of praying and praying properly is that it increases your faith. Now, I just, I don't want to squeal on anybody in here this morning. But I get phone calls sometimes from some of you. And it's clear to me that your faith level is not where it should be on a regular basis. Are you listening to me? Stop looking at me like that. If your faith level is not where it should be on a regular basis, then you need this message this morning. If you are often overwhelmed by situations in your life, then your faith level is not where it should be. Five of you agree. 
Jude verse 20 says this. Are you listening to me? Beloved. So who is he talking to? Everybody say he's talking to Christians. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit. By the way, that's uh, why you need a prayer language. That's why you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And I could preach a whole sermon on that verse alone, but I and I'll, I might do that in the near future. The Holy Spirit, and the reason why we need a prayer language, knows our needs, and He will make them known through our prayers. Look at someone right now and say, God knows what I need even better than I do. Do you believe that this morning? Another definition of prayer is a reverent petition made to God. A reverent petition made to God. Prayer can be an act of confession. Prayer can be an act of thanksgiving. Prayer can be an act of praise. There's many aspects to prayer. But the question that we need to answer today is this. Can a Christian pray improperly? Let me tell you this. If you're always praying the problem, you're praying improperly. When situations arise in your life, God already knows the situation. What you should be doing is praying or searching scripture, finding what God's answer is to your specific situation and reminding God of what he's already said in his word. Stop praying the problem. Are you with me today? I almost spit there. How many have already learned something this morning? The command to pray without ceasing. Come on, everybody say without ceasing. Well, Pastor Ron, how am I going to pray without ceasing? If you will do a little research on your own, you will understand that that passage of Scripture in the original meant to pray or to continue active resistance against the enemy. Who is our enemy? Satan. And by the way, we're our own worst enemy sometimes. Somebody say amen. What that is actually talking about is that is the exact opposite you and I are supposed to be conducting our lives in the exact opposite of a ceasefire. We are supposed to be bombarding the forces of evil with the Word of God through prayer. We are supposed to be taking the authority that God gave us when we were saved. Is everybody with me this morning? 
the effectual fervent prayer means that it will produce the desired effect if we are praying properly. Somebody say amen. amen. How many of you want to be combat ready? Because you're going to fight whether you want to or not. You have a real enemy. The day that you were saved, you became an enemy of Satan. In other words, he considers you a traitor. You were in his camp and then left his camp by the blood of Jesus Christ. You've now become his enemy. He can't do anything to God, so who's he going to try to do it to? Right? Somebody say me. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says this, Come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and help in your time of need. That is a clear command that was written in God's holy word and it was passed on to us so that we need to know that we have the right to come to the throne of grace to obtain mercy and find grace in our time of need. Amen? Look at someone and say, by praying proper prayers, you will have God's mercy and God's grace. Does it get any better than that? And our visitors, I, I might get a little loud, so. It doesn't get any better than that. We need God's grace and God's mercy in every area of our life. Oh, by the way, coming boldly to the throne of grace does not mean what some have been taught that it means. The word boldly there in English is a very strong word. But to understand what that word really says, we need to go back to the original, and we also need to read the two verses before it, which is uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 and 15. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest, Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet remained without sin. Is it up behind me? How many heard what the Word of God said? So that means that as a Christian, you and I can go before the Lord without reservation. It doesn't mean come before the Lord stomping your foot. Demanding. It means to come before the Lord without reservation, with confidence that He will give you an audience and listen to your request. Somebody say amen. 
Christ is the greatest high priest. He is our heavenly high priest. He was also sinless, and therefore, he is able to deliver us. He is the deliverer. Somebody say amen. The Bible tells us he is also sitting at the right hand of the Father, that the seat of power, making intercession on a continual basis for us. Amen? So in other words, you have an advocate right there at the right hand of God the Father every time you come to his throne. Jesus, the Son of God, is sitting there representing you and me. So we can come boldly or with confidence to the throne because we know that our high priest is already there and already talking to God on our behalf. Amen. How many got it now this morning? I know a lot of people have misunderstood that scripture verse. And it goes on to say, that Jesus, because of his experience here on earth, knows and understands our weaknesses. And we all have them. I said we all have them. He knows and understands our needs. He knows and understands every area of help of mercy and grace that we need, he knows exactly what is necessary. That's what all of that says right there. In the Old Testament, they could only go to the mercy seat once a year. Once a year. And then only the high priest could go into the mercy seat. And when the high priest went in before the mercy seat, he went in with great fear. Why, Pastor Ron? Because if he had not properly prepared himself, the Bible says when he entered into the Holy of Holies and stood before the mercy seat, if he was not properly prepared, he dropped dead immediately. And in fact, nobody else was allowed in there. They couldn't even go in to get his body. But there was a provision made for that. There was a rope tied around his ankle. And if he was dumb enough to go in there without properly preparing himself, they drug his dead carcass out. And the next uh, priest in line was elevated to the high priest. How many are listening to me? I don't believe that, Pastor Ron. You better read your Old Testament. Jesus is now the high priest. So all of that's been done away with. He has given us full access through Calvary. When he went to the cross, he done away with all of the barriers 
between us and God. If you were here last week, you learned that in that message. And by this uh, destruction of all barriers, we can come before God at any time and as often as we want to. But what God is telling me to impress upon you is that many Christians today do not avail themselves of what is available to them. In fact, many Christians would rather sit around and mumble and complain rather than pray about a situation. Amen or oh me. Look at someone and say, God gave you freedom. God gave you liberty. And he gave you, or you should have confidence in what he's done for you. If you're a Christian, you have access. He always has the ear of the Father, by the way. He's always interceding on our behalf. Now that right there alone is enough to cause us to shout. We need to understand the liberty that God has granted to us. It's without limits. Amen? And by the way, when that temple curtain was rent in two, that wasn't a mere curtain that was separating people from the mercy seat. Under the old covenant, it was impossible for that curtain to be torn. But yet, when Jesus died on the cross and he looked up and said, it is finished, the Bible says that barrier that was there was rent in two from top to bottom. God removed it. Amen? He did that so people would know that they now had full access to him. You and I need to understand that we need to be praying and we need to be praying in the will of God. Turn with me over to Luke chapter 18. I want to, there's a story there I just want to go to this morning. This is an example for you to follow. One of them to follow and one of them not to follow. Beginning in verse 9, And Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Everybody say, who trusted in themselves. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other one a tax collector or a publican. 
The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this jerk over here, this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give tithe of all that I possess and the tax collector standing afar off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven but beat his breast saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Are you with me this morning? I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. What we see here is a clear description of two ways to approach God. Please don't anybody get offended this morning, but there's, I'm going to just tell you this. In the body of Christ today, there's too many babyfied Christians. We were over at Shelly and Jerry's house last night. You know, they got the little one. He wasn't getting his way. He was tired. And he threw a fit. He just cried. And then when that didn't work, he got louder and cried some more. Of course, they knew how to take care of it and did. But that's the way a lot of Christians are today. They go before God, and if they haven't gotten their way... That's the way they react. I've had people call me, and I've, or I've actually called them. I've been missing them at church for a while. Or so. I've been missing you. I'm not coming back, Pastor Ron. This doesn't work. I prayed, and God didn't answer my prayer. How many are listening to what I'm saying this morning? That tells me volumes about a person. They didn't get their way, so they took their ball and went home. How many of you know that everything that we ask for might not be good for us? How many of you know that it's a good thing God says no once in a while? I I just wanted to throw that in this morning. Jesus taught this parable about the publican and the Pharisee. I want to point out the similarities of the two prayers first. First of all, both men went to the temple to pray. Right? How many of you know church is a good place to go if you need to feel closer to God? Okay. Both men went with the same purpose, to pray. Both men had examined themselves prior to going to church. Although they came up with opposite conclusions. The Pharisee compared himself with others, especially those whom he felt superior to. Of course, none of you would do that. He had his eyes on men instead of on God. 
And if you will allow me, I'll tell you this morning, I believe that God has told me this is the same mistake that many Christians are making today. Are you with me? The publican or the tax collector, he compared himself with one thing and one thing only, the Word of God. Now he probably could have found others more sinful than he was. But he didn't do it. He knew that measured against the word of God, he was a sinner no no better and no worse than anyone else. And he knew that there wasn't anything that he could do about it. Are you with me this morning? We cannot pray properly if we have our eyes on man and not on God. Who heard me say that? Okay. And by the way, criticizing others does nothing to justify yourself. We cannot become justified before God by picking people who are worse than we are. God said instead we need to come before his presence with honesty. Everybody say honesty. In fact, God said that when we sin and we know that there's sin in our life, that we need to confess that sin so that we can receive forgiveness for that sin. He didn't say that we need to stand there and make excuses for it. Listen, there is no excuse for sin. There's a cause or a reason, and nine out of ten times it's rebellion or selfishness. Are you listening to me? There's no justification for sin. So when we know that we've missed the mark in our life, all that we can do is ask God to forgive us. Somebody say amen. Isaiah chapter 66 verses 1 and 2. It's, you guys don't have it, so you won't. Heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. God said this. Listen to this. Uh, Who is going to build a house for me and where is my place of rest? For all these things I have made and they exist because of me. I will look upon those who have a contrite spirit and who obey my word. How many heard what God said? You know, so often we go before the presence of God. And many, many times we may have, we may overestimate who we are. And you want me to tell you who we are in the eyes of God? We're created beings. He loves us. Because he created us. 
And if we're Christians, He loves us because we're saved. Amen? But all of that is not because of us, it's in spite of us. When we compare ourselves to other people, that is an insult to God. Because God said Christ was our example. And let me tell you this, when you compare yourself with Christ, you're going to miss the mark. And all you can do is just then come boldly or with confidence to God's throne to obtain mercy and grace for those areas wanting in your life. Somebody say amen. When we see ourselves properly, that's when we become eligible to receive from God. How many heard what I just said? When you see yourself properly and you need help and then you go properly to the throne of grace, you will receive the help that you're asking for. That's what God said. Is this good news? You agree there, deacon? All right. Is this good? I'll point out the results of the two prayers. The Pharisee went away unchanged. He went away full of himself. Amen? He made no important decision to follow God. Amen? He had had no real encounter with God. He had not grasped any truth that would aid him in his walk. And I'm going to just tell you right off the bat, I don't think he'd been praying to God at all. I believe he'd been talking with himself. He was just so pleased with himself. Amen? Don't get tired. I'm almost done. So my question for you this morning is this. It's written right here in my notes. This is what the Lord wanted me to ask you this morning. Are you ready? How many of you will leave this service today in the same condition that you came in? You can be like the publican now. The tax collector, he went away from church a different man. He had confessed his sin and repented of that sin. His life was turned around. He began a new relationship with God. He was justified. He was a forgiven sinner. The true measure of your prayer life is the result that it produces in you. If you leave here today self-satisfied or self-righteous, you've not really met God in this service. 
And I'm going to make a bold statement. No one should ever leave church the same way that they came in. When you have a meeting with God, He's the true life changer. You ought to go away changed. You ought to go away better for having been in God's presence. And another misconception about prayer is prayer is not to change or bend the will of God to your will. If we will seek the will of God and pray proper prayers, the will that will be changed will be our own. In other words, what are you saying, Pastor Ron? It's not God's mind we should be seeking to change. Amen? It's ours. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 15 through 23 contains a prayer of Paul. We don't have time to go there. We're out of time. But this prayer of Paul was for revelation and blessing. In this prayer, Paul recognizes who the author and giver of glory is. And he prayed that every saint that ever read this prayer would understand. Somebody say praise God. Oh, it was recorded for you and me. You better believe that. He prayed that they would know the power of God in their lives. But I'm here to tell you this morning, only the meek and the humble will ever really know the true power of God in this life. There's another prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. In that prayer, Paul prayed for realization and blessing for all the saints. Paul demonstrated, and I believe he was the greatest of all the apostles, but he demonstrated his willingness to bow before God. He prayed for six things for the believers. You can go get it and read it for yourself. He prayed for the spirit of wisdom. He prayed for the spirit of revelation. He prayed for the enlightenment of truth. He prayed for the hope of his calling. He prayed for the riches of God's glory and for the greatness of God's power. Those are the six things that you and I should be praying for whenever we pray. And everything else would take care of itself. The only way to walk in victory is to have these six benefits operating in our life. Would you stand to your feet today? Every prayer prayed in Scripture that is written in Scripture by every man of God showed a dependence upon God. We live in a country, the United States of America. We pride ourselves on being a democracy. the land of the free and the home of the brave. But are we really free? 
there's many of God's people still enslaved with things in this world. And we need to readily admit our areas of weakness. And if you've been praying and you don't believe that God is answering your prayer, there are many reasons in, given in Scripture for unanswered prayer. We'll have to examine them in another message because I'm out of time today. Unforgiveness is one of them, though. And a lack of humility is another. In fact, I believe Scripture lists about 12 reasons, 12 to 14 reasons for unanswered prayer in the life of a believer. Would you bow your heads? Father, I've delivered the message that you've given me today. And Father, now it's time as we pray right now. Lord, I pray that we will allow the Holy Spirit to show us the problem areas in our own life. Lord, I pray that we will act upon the Word of God and that we will come with humility so that we can have your mercy and grace in these areas. That is my prayer for myself and this congregation this morning. In Jesus' name, with heads bowed and people not looking around. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, if you've never had a born-again experience, if you've never made a public profession of your faith, there's no better day than today. You can start this new year off right in Jesus Christ. Is there any person here this morning would say, Pastor Ron, I would like to pray a prayer of confession and repentance with you today. If you would, raise your hand. I'll pray with you. Anybody? How many Christians this morning are here and you recognize that God was speaking directly to you. Can I see your hand this morning? We're going to do something different this morning. I want everybody to come forward that raised their hand. Come on, we're going to dismiss from the altar. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. I don't bite. Come on. Everybody join hands. Come on. Let's have an unbroken line here. Close it in some, some way, somehow. Come on, Regan, come over here and grab me. Good to see you this morning. Amen. He's a member of our old youth group. Came back with his wife and children today to visit with us.
Amen. I sense in my spirit that God is wanting to do something new in our congregation and specifically in your lives. This has been a very direct message today. I've tried to use a little humor to make it a little more palatable. But I've tried not to water it down in any way, shape, or form. Because the Word of God needs to be effective in our lives. Scripture says it's sharper and more powerful than any two-edged sword. And by the way, it's the only thing that can divide between our soul and our spirit. We can have mental assent, and that comes from here. Or we can have comes from here, from the heart. How many understand what I'm saying today? If we want God's blessings in our life, there's only one way to have them. That's to live our life in obedience to Him. Amen? When we mess up, admit it. That's number one. Number two, repent. Ask forgiveness. And number three, recognize that you can get an audience with God at any time that you want it. If you belong to Him. Isn't this good? We have an unbroken circle here. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Heavenly Father, I come before you this morning. I receive this message today. I recognize that it is one from you. Lord, help me now to put into practice in my life everything that I've learned today. It is my desire to be pleasing to you. I want right now to know in my heart that I'm leaving this church a changed person. Lord, thank you for meeting my needs. I recognize that you know better than I many times. And so right now, I surrender my will to yours and I promise with your help to walk with you this year closer than I ever have before and I promise to set aside time in my life on a daily basis to communicate with you I pray this prayer now from a sincere heart and in Jesus name Amen give him